When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Spotcast. This is Season 3, Episode 5. My name is Tim Mitchell and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Hammer Lippis Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have on the line from Mississauga, Ontario, Jonathan P. Kuline. Let's go Raptors. (laughs) Let's go Raptors. Let's go Raptors. Yes. Apparently the Raptors did a beat like a buzzer beater again and it's a glorious thing. It's a glorious world cha- I should I, let me re- let me rephrase that. World champion Raptors Toronto, Toronto Raptors. Absolutely correct. Still yes. true until the the finals are done this year. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yes. sure. And and you know who's going to leave the White House, right? Yeah, sure. It's all going <laughs> to happen. Alrighty, um, yeah. So we had. So let's start with some fact check. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, Tasty wheat is what I remember them referring to the st- the gruel that they were eating on the uh, Matrix. Yeah, they said that it uh, it was like tasty wheat from inside the Matrix, but the gruel on the outside tasted just like it. So that made them wonder if it was. Did they know that that's what tasty wheat tasted like, or was that what tasty wheat tasted like because that's what it tasted like? I don't know, but I, I remember the the young lad with the funny hat said it's like tasty wheat. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. It looked like it looked like you know liquidy oatmeal. Yeah, gross. And another piece of follow up here is that uh, Haley Joe Osment did the voice of O'Connor in the last episode. I don't know if you guys caught that or not. No, no, it did, did, didn't didn't uh, ring as his voice to me. Yeah, I, I found it in when I was doing the the editing. I found I was looking for pictures and stuff like that. I saw that it wasn't in the IMDb, you know, in any sort of timely way. But yeah, eventually. And I was mentioning the my pick last week was the uh, opera singer doing the original series uh, theme song with the women's voice you know the uh, that's uh, obviously written by alexander courage which i forgot to mention last week so that's it for the back check let's move on to the headlines let me take it away yeah we're starting out with a real sad one um chadwick boseman many folks know him as the uh, t'challa the black panther unfortunately he lost his four-year battle with cancer and if you were like me you were completely in the dark and said wait what he's had and nobody cancer knew. uh colon cancer and he's had it for four years so he's 40 was 43 so he's what's 39 if i did the math correctly when he uh when he started his battle so yeah 43 and buff too i mean it wasn't like he was uh you know 
know, a sloucher or whatever, right? And Jaime pointed out on the show yesterday for, you know, to Mark, Mark and I thought was a little funny, but that uh, this is somebody who's younger or younger than him. In fact, I think he's younger than you too, John, right? Well, it, it, not currently younger, just he, he got cancer uh, around around my age. So so at 39, which is which is the age I'm at now. Oh, you haven't hit the big 4-0 yet? I've not hit the big 4-0 yet, but uh, yeah, this is pretty big. And they had the like celebration over the weekend on Disney owns what? ABC, I think. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. And so they had the, um, gosh, what was it called? It was like the King or something similar, uh, sort of a documentary thing they had running. And of course they were showing Black Panther and et cetera on, uh, almost like marathon over the weekend here. So it's a, uh, it's a sad, sad loss for, uh, for the world. Mm-hmm. Really a good gentleman. Surprising. Yeah. It's one of those things that you just don't believe. I came across, uh, my newsfeed and I just, my jaw just dropped. I like, I could not, I thought it was wrong. Like it just did not seem real that, uh, a man as uh, as vibrant as we've seen him on the screen the last few years uh, could be gone so young. It just it's just devastating. And it's funny because he had made I guess appearances in the last um, few months, and people had sort of said, "Well, he was looking a little gaunt," and some people were wondering if he was like losing some weight for a different film or something. But uh, I guess now we know what what the truth is. But yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a real shocker. I mean. You know, it's such a such a, a strange thing how different people react to those kind of things. You know, some people obviously, uh, you know, they, you know, they just want to hunker down and spend time with their family. And he chose to embrace his art in the time that he knew that he had left, and and left so many memorable performances, not just as as T'Challa as the Black Panther, but you know, Jackie Robinson in in uh, in, in, the, in the movie there, and you know, he. Uh, yeah, he was he was just so talented. It's just it's such a heartbreaking loss. Oh, sure. Speaking of uh, heartbreaking losses, Jonathan. Yeah, we we lost somebody now, uh, somebody who had, had lived a, a nice long life. But uh, Joe Ruby passed away this last week as well. Um, you may not know it until I say Ruby Spears, and then you might suddenly realize, oh, I do know that name. Uh, so uh, Joe Ruby was one of the uh, creators of Scooby Doo, uh, co creator of Scooby Doo, and uh, along with that, uh, so many of those popular series from the 1960s. Uh, he worked on the original. Space Ghost series, the Herculoids, Captain Caveman, uh, and then he even did some work on the uh, Punky Brewster live action show and stuff like that. Like he's a pretty prodigious um, animation icon, and uh, he was 87. He passed away last week in his home in California, um, and they're saying natural causes. So you know, uh, best best you can hope for, I guess. But. Um, yeah, he was uh, he was one of the giants of that era to to create all these things that have stood the test of time. You know, we're talking fifty plus years now for some of these uh, characters. Scooby Doo is going to live uh, a long, long time past uh, past his lifetime. It's it's you know it's pretty good legacy. Next, uh, this one was today, and this caught I think a bunch of people off guard. So uh, this morning. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson announced that he and his family had had COVID and uh, that they were they are now recovering and that was quickly followed by this news that uh, the Batman Robert Pattinson has been diagnosed with COVID-19 so in the wake of that they've shut down production of the Batman film that they're filming in England and uh, no 
no clarity on when that's going to resume. Uh, it makes you wonder, too, because apparently they were reopening these movie productions with, you know, great effort around obviously making sure that everyone was safe and everyone was getting tested and everything else. And it sounds like it was during one of these routine tests that they discovered that uh, that uh, Robert had been diagnosed. So, um, yeah, kind of a, a surprising day. You know, obviously we, we've seen our share of famous athletes, politicians, celebrities, uh, you know, contract COVID over the last few years uh, a lot of them have recovered thankfully but um but this one yeah it's surprising you know, obviously robert's young enough that uh, you'd hope that his his prognosis is very good but it's still uh, pretty just jarring to to find that news on your newsfeed for sure and, and next up is oh, man. yeah weird weirdly continuing a, a mini theme of of viruses taking over the world um netflix has announced they're making an original live action tv series based on the Resident Evil video game, which Resident Evil is based on uh, a uh, virus that gets out loose from a lab and turns people into zombies. And this one uh, follows apparently a split timeline of uh, well, I guess the timelines is incorrect. I'm reading it from the article. It, I, I'm pretty sure they mean set across two time periods. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you see uh, these characters as uh, younger and then older, and then presumably you got to start, you know, filling in sort of the, the pieces of what happened in between as you have the, the time jump. So no Mila Jovo, Jovovich in this? No, they, they do mention here that this is the same company that made the Mila Jovovich starring uh, six Resident Evil films. My gosh, six? I think I've only seen three of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need to catch up on those. Uh, but um, I, I don't think it has anything to do with that character. It, it's, a, it's a little unclear if it's sort of in its own little universe the way the Resident Evil films were or if it's uh, tied into the Resident Evil video game series plots, or if it's kind of more of an adaptation that's in its own little universe. Hard to tell from what they give here. Now the Game of Thrones. And now the Game of Thrones. So uh, continuing with Netflix, they also announced that Game of Thrones showrunners David Benioff and Dan Weiss are going to do their next uh, series on Netflix. Now we knew that they had signed a exclusive contract with them, so we knew it was coming. But now they confirm what it is, and they're going to be doing uh, this uh, adaptation of the Three Body Problem, which is a very, very, very well received uh, Chinese science fiction novel from from about ten, twelve. Years ago, uh, which is a trilogy, so they're going to be adapting this into a series. Now, obviously, they've had some successes, and some might say some less than successes in adapting, uh, you know, books to television before. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this series. I don't know a lot about it. I must admit, I know that uh, the people who have read it really enjoyed it. But uh, apparently it is sort of very sprawling. It's it's sort of, uh, it's supposed to be starting in the 1960s and it's about the first contact that humans have with uh, alien civilization and it sort of continues over the course of time and tells the story of from the beginning of this contact through how the two two, uh, cultures adapt and work together and stuff like that. So yeah, pretty cool to see what they can come up with this. Uh, I, I think definitely this will be worth a watch. Weren't they supposed to do something else? a while back or they did something else after so originally they were going to do the what if the south had won the civil war thing for hbo that got a lot of blowback and they decided not to do that then they signed a contract because they were going to do their own trilogy of star wars films right right and then they uh decided to go the go their separate ways and then they signed a very 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 lucrative deal to do exclusive content for Netflix. This is the first of that. All right. Um, next up, continue. 
continuing on our theme of Netflix, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this one, in talking about uh, all the different services that are available, all the different streaming services. So Netflix has got a website up now where you can watch their content for free. It's not obviously the full Netflix uh, smorgasbord. But there's a pretty good content little list up there. They put up some of their movies so you can watch the uh, Bird Box, The Two Popes, which was nominated for some Oscars. You can watch uh, Murder Mystery, which is an Adam Sandler movie that's uh, popular on the service. And then they've got the first episodes of Stranger Things, When They See Us, which is an amazing um, uh, profile about the um, kids who were arrested in New York City and accused of uh, rape. And it's it's amazing. I totally recommend that. Uh, Love is Blind, one of their reality series. Grace and Frankie, um, and even Boss Baby, one of the Boss Baby uh, animated shows. But they're putting it all on their site for free so that you can basically get your first taste. So it's netflix.com slash watch dash free. And if you go there, you can watch all this content. And then they encourage you, hey, did you like this show? Would you like like more of this this show or movie? You can find it on Netflix. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, especially for things that have a whole bunch of seasons. Well, at least, you know, a few seasons like um, Stranger Things where you know you've got the new season that's coming out soon-ish we hope you know based on uh, uh, whatever delays that came out of a uh, pandemic hitting the, the production but it's like hey catch up if you if you've never watched stranger things you might as well binge it now while it's free and then like you said jonathan if you like it cool now you can start paying us money so you can continue <laughs> now that you're hooked and uh and watch the latest season when it becomes available yep and the mandalorian second season second season premieres on october 30th yeah Ooh. so That'll be good. Uh, I have personally notably not uh, signed up for Disney Plus yet. And this story plus the uh, the next one that we're about to talk about gives me a pretty good indication of when I'm going to sign up. And, and and I'll talk more about it when we talk about the next topic. But so season three, right? And season three. Just just wait till I can binge the entire thing in one month. <laughs> <laughs> the entire you know, five to seven year uh, yeah. seasons of episodes. Yeah. No, I just never, never got around to it because as, as we've talked about in this show, Although we joke about, you know, collecting them all when it comes to the, the streaming services, I, I sort of try not to. And given that I don't have, you know, uh, children who would uh, appreciate all of the back catalog of Disney Plus, and I've seen every Star Wars movie and every uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, I didn't really feel like there was enough content on there to to subscribe. And Mandalorian was like kind of close because I'd heard really good things about it. Big Star Wars fan. And the big sort of discussion in my household was, well, we want to watch Hamilton, but how badly do we want to watch Hamilton? Like, is that <laughs> plus Mandalorian enough? And it, and it wasn't. Season two of Mandalorian gets me really cool. But wait, wouldn't it cost you like a huge amount of dollars to go see Hamilton in the real, like in the theater? Like, think of the savings, Jaime. Think of the savings. I know it's a it's a very now, irrational thing, right? <laughs> Probably burned more more opportunity cost thinking about it. You know, yeah. whatever hourly rate you think I could charge for for my services, then would have actually been saved by just plunking down the the six. 99 or 799 whatever it is for for one month it, it, we didn't talk about this on the show yesterday on mtjc because it's more fitting with that one but um it, it sort of fits with this show too and that has to do with the um the free year of apple tv you get when you buy har- apple hardware you buy a phone you buy a, an ipad you buy a mac you get a free year of apple tv but you don't get another free year of apple tv if you buy more gear a year later huh. which is in the case of me right so i think my uh my apple tv what subscription was tied to a phone last year um and uh i've since bought a i've since bought thousands and thousands of dollars worth of computers and and uh, uh ipad
iPads, and uh, I will not be able to get another free year of Apple TV, which I find, you know, it's kind of, it's it's typical of, you know, once they got you on the service, they don't care, you know? Yeah. Too bad. Yeah, it was a way to bootstrap a whole bunch of, of people getting used to watching. And then for me, given when I bought my laptop and activated my Apple TV Plus subscription, uh, I've got a little calendar reminder that right around the time of the Academy Awards in February is when my Apple TV Plus subscription is, is going to be canceled, most likely, by me. In, in the interim, I'm probably going to check out something like Ted Lasso. I've been hearing reasonably good things about it. Figure it's worth at least a, uh, an episode or two to give it a try. Because what's Ted Lasso? What is that? That it's is a comedy. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the uh, the American guy who goes and becomes a, a football coach, a, a European football coach. Oh, oh, this is on Apple TV. Yeah, I think it's on Apple TV Plus. Jason Sudeikis, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, shows on Apple TV are good, but I mean, are they pay for them good? I don't. I mean, you know, they're really well done. I will say that. What's but. what's the monthly subscription fee? I, I'm in the same boat as you, Tim. I, I got a free subscription when I bought a new phone last year. Yeah. Uh, and so I signed up, but I haven't really gone too far in the catalog. But I'm curious as to what they actually expect people to pay for that content. I, hmm. I think it's $4.99 a month. $4.99 a month? Well, that's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and that was sort of the discussion of like, it, it's got to be, you know, only $4.99 a month because they don't have the massive back catalogs that somebody like a Netflix or a Disney can bring to bear. And Disney's got their entire thing for, I should know this, this is a fact check, $6.99 or $7.99. I can't remember if it's $7 or, or closer to 8 But nevertheless, it's, it's it's cheap. Turn into next week's fact check to find out which one it is. Well, I'm, I'm doing a live fact check while he talks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're, you're right, Tim. I do think that a lot of the stuff on, on Apple TV Plus is good, but I, I don't know that they've had the, like, this is uh, compelling and everybody's going to watch this at the same time content. They haven't really struck gold the way that, like, The Mandalorian has done for Disney Plus and they haven't struck it with like a Stranger Things or House of Cards type thing that uh, Netflix has had or uh, uh, Sopranos or Silicon Valley or Game of Thrones that HBO has had. They've been successful, I think, but not astoundingly successful. Yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm sort of stuck on, I'm trying, like, how do I find out what it costs? Because I can't, because I already have a subscription. I can't figure out what the, uh, what it's going to cost me. Plus, the other, the other thing is that's annoying, of course, for me is, is I found that I have hundreds of dollars in, in Apple Store credit and then i have hundreds of dollars in uh, itunes credit like can i use any of that for apple tv right mm, yeah really annoying so searching on the internet confirms that apple tv plus is 4.99 per month us after your 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 trial and disney plus is 6.99 a month or an annual rate of 69.99 a year anyway gotta figure out how to move some of that money around that, that i've already that apple or of mine that apple already owns right so well, like i said I'll, I'll pay you uh, uh apple store money for your itunes money because i actually do you use the iTunes money. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah well, we, can, we can, we can trade. Alrighty. Um, like I, what I've been doing at work is, is, you know, occasionally somebody needs a piece of software for their development work and we, we can't really get a hold of it. So I just go in my Apple, my Apple, my iTunes money and just buy the app for them. Right. Cause yeah. it's thrown around money as they say. Right. There you go. Anyway. Um, we were talking about Mandalorian. What were we talking about? I forget. Yeah. yeah. And let's just roll right into additional news related Mulan. to Mulan. So Mulan, Mulan as we've talked about, is going to be available for an extra price if you want to watch it on day one when it drops uh, this very week on September 4th. But if you're willing to wait three months on December 4th, it will be available to all Disney Plus subscribers as part of their subscription. So it's it's effectively, if you think about it, if you're paying you know on September 4th or earlier, you're kind of doing the, oh, it's as if we went to the movie theaters and saw it then. And then in a very short of, sort of short time period, pretend that three months later, it normally went to streaming uh, is sort of the way I would look 
at it. And and this right here is gives me an indication of when I'll probably end up subscribing to Disney Plus because uh, assuming the Mandalorian, I haven't looked at their their schedule. Assuming they have the eight you know or so weeks of episodes. Well, we go from October thirtieth. That gets us to uh, the end of December, which means that I could probably start my subscription on the fourth of December. Start watching the Mandalorian. Maybe watch Mulan. Maybe watch uh, uh, Hamilton, and then sort of catch up with the rest of the world and watch the Mandalorian season two with everybody else because it'll all be as part of that six ninety nine you know one month <laughs> subscription unless they do something funny to sort of tease out extra money and say oh uh, because of the holidays we're gonna move the final episode of Mandalorian to like January <laughs> just to tease out another six ninety nine out of people well there, there is a whole eight shows of of the making of the Mandalorian and I, I watched like the first one it's just like really dense stuff but cool cool documentary on that I still haven't watched the animated version of Mulan yet either so that's you know on my list I guess wait does that mean you didn't you didn't fully uh, get the the flavor pun very much intended on the Rick and Morty Mulan Szechuan sauce obsession no no, no. okay yeah, yeah yeah no I do remember the do remember the story yeah of that for sure alrighty so yeah. the other thing that's coming Jaime is the the Marvel stuff is coming there too right yeah do they have revised dates for that post you know COVID disruption yeah I don't I'm just looking I know that they because they were going to do Falcon and the Winter Soldier but I think they moved that till next year but they moved one division up one division is the the vision of the Scarlet Witch series I think that's December I think it's coming in December Oh, perfect, perfect. And and Loki is next spring. Yeah, I think that's where we're at right now, is that one division, I think, is coming first. Because I don't think they've got a date for uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was supposed to premiere in August, but then they had to halt production. And then now they've gone back to filming. So they're supposed to film this fall in the Czech Republic. And then they've moved it to 2021. So... I guess it's more outdoor, like they're shooting in the environment. I think maybe one division's more on set, so they, it's a lot easier to continue filming or continue producing. Hmm. Well, the, the continuing the uh, the Disney and Star Wars sort of theme here uh, on a more unfortunate but kind of insightful take is this um, this uh, this cover story from the British edition of GQ magazine has a really good interview and and uh, coverage of uh, John Boyega who played Finn in the the sequel trilogy star wars and the i'm just going to read the 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 whole quote that they put here john boyega i'm the only cast member whose experience of star wars was based on their race and if that doesn't entice you to read this uh i'd say nothing else will because it was actually a really good read and you know i i think uh, in many ways he's right like granted the pull quote that he has here in fairness is isn't 100 percent true because you also had uh kelly marie tran who plays uh rose tico who also had problems uh related to her race and her character but i think the intent is there that like uh, as we talked about on on episodes of, of this very show when each of the uh, sequel trilogy episodes came out there was pretty good promise from the force awakens setup for for finn and and what his character might do and, and possibly even his uh you know burgeoning relationship with ray which never you know spoilers if you haven't seen those movies uh doesn't work out and his character gets yanked quite a bit around in the second movie and in the final movie uh he, by that point it kind of seemed like his 
his role was about like, hey, your your reason here is to be black <laughs> and show mm-hmm. up on the poster, right? It was like very cynically, it kind of seems like that's where he he ended up. Um, and and this article does, I think, a pretty good uh, job of, of sort of explaining sort of his view and and a very negative view of the, the stuff that he had to go through. Um, it's it's very insightful, very much in line with the times. And uh, you know, I hope that we as a society can do better, and more specifically, I hope that Disney can do better uh, with its future endeavors. Yeah, I I, I think it's harsh, but it, I think it's like it's very legit like you're you're right by the time i mean we talked about obviously with the kelly marie trans stuff because there was a lot of heat and controversy around the fact that she went from sort of a a key role in the second uh of the new trilogy to virtually non-existent in the third um but you're right finn's character sort of dropped off a fair bit too and um it did it did smack a smidge of uh, of tokenism and i'm sure he has better insight than we do um, although, you know, Billy D. Williams, you know, life was hard for him too, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there, that was the claim. Like, when, even back then in, in, you know, 1978, 79, people were saying, well, why was there no black people in Star Wars? So the second film had Billy D. Williams, and that also smacked of tokenism because he was kind of the only black person there, too. Yeah, I think in whichever episode it was of ours that we covered um, The Rise of Skywalker, we brought up that, that Finn's character had gotten to the point where he said, all right, so Ryan Johnson said, no, 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 you, you can't be with the white Ray, I'm assuming. That's speculative, but he, he didn't continue J.J. Abrams' sort of hints that maybe there might be some, you know, stronger than friendship thing between Ray and Finn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's this Asian lady for you to, to hook up with in a very sort of ham-fisted way. Mm-hmm. And then J.J. Abrams went from there and, and for reasons unknown to me, said like, well, uh, here's this black lady who is now your love interest. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, did, did nobody think this out and, 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 and think of at least the optics even if it was done with um you know without any actual intent and and it's being very generous to assume there was no intent but still you'd think with your multi-billion dollar franchise you'd have a an intern or somebody who can say hey this seems a little weird let me let me let me take the the devil's advocate side and 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 you listen to what i say and see if it sounds bad and then we can adjust from there yeah well and it speaks to the need for more people in positions of power in studios not just you know uh like obviously it'd be great to have you know more black directors and everything else but you know people in the production side people you know throughout the whole facility who could be you know there for that kind of thing you know i'm sure there are many people who are great at their jobs who are also going to be able to say hey by the way this is not a good look for us right right okay well, in the wake of last week where we had a good discussion about DC Fandom and all the good things that came out of that, we got news today that there's going to be a little little celebratory thing for Star Trek as well. So on the uh, 8th of September, we're going to get Star Trek Day. And Star Trek Day is going to see uh, Will Wheaton, Wesley Crusher himself, is going to be co-hosting this event that's going to last for about three and a half hours. And it's going to have all these different uh, roundtables, I guess, you know, pretty much what you can call them, with the casts of Discovery, of reuniting some of the people from Deep Space Nine, some of the cast from Strange New Worlds, uh, the original Star Trek. Uh, George Takei is going to sit down with uh, Rod Roddenberry. Star Trek Voyager, they're going to bring back some of the crew there. Enterprise, Lower Decks, Picard, and Next Generation. 
So, yeah, I mean, we're going to see, let's see, uh, Terry Farrell, Alexander Sittig, Armin Shimmerman, Nana Visitor, uh, Sirach Lofton, and Iron Stephen Bear from Deep Space Nine, the whole crew from Discovery, a bunch of people from Strange New Worlds. Yeah, George Takei, as I mentioned, we're going to get Kate Mulgrew, Robert Picardo, Robert McNeil, Garrett Wang, Tim Russ, and Ethan Phillips, all from Voyager. Uh, Scott Bakula, Linda Park, John Billingsley, Dominic Keating, Anthony Montgomery, and Connor Trinier from Enterprise. And uh, Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes from uh, TNG and Picard. So they're bringing out the big guns. This is pretty cool. And they're going to basically sit down and do all these. uh, People can start streaming it. They can watch it. And uh, they're going to have all these different uh, events for this. Hopefully we'll get some tastes. There's, you know, maybe a little hope that we might get a little more information on some of the stuff that might be coming in the future. and, And a little retrospective on 54 years of Trekkie goodness. So, yeah. You guys tuning in that's pretty cool so september 8th do they have a a time or is it at oh midnight midnight uh, it says 3 p.m eastern time is when it starts so noon your time oh and I it see, goes see. and it goes uh well it's the last thing is starts at 6 p.m eastern time so 3 p.m uh your time and assuming that goes for half an hour an hour uh yeah so it's supposed to be three and a half hours ish from 3 p.m. Eastern Time till 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and then it's going to repeat. They're going to show it again. Cool. That... This is Star Trek Day, yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought I watched the Star Wars Day stuff last year. Well, yeah, because they do Star, a Star Wars Celebration as an annual event, and they do a lot of stuff there. we got DC Fandom. You know, D23 has got a little bit more Marvel in it than it did just Disney before, so they've kind of got their own thing. So this is, uh, yeah, they've kind of got their own little little thing going. I do wonder what, if it's just going to be a celebration where they just people are just, you know, reuniting and talking, or if we're going to get some, you know, more information, trailers, games, who knows what, right? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I watched, um, I watched some, there's like a women's film festival thing happening on uh, Turner Classic Movies right now, and they've got the two lady uh, hosts or you know they're, they're regular hosts and they're in very nicely framed uh, boxes as opposed to so it doesn't look like your 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 mom's zoom call right uh, I think that I wonder if that's going to be the future of of these kind of events like we I mean I saw um, the mythic quest people talk at WWC and they did the same sort of thing they had a like a panel chat where they the actors were basically in their little you know like Brady Bunch look you know the the nine views and talking to them I wonder if that's if it's going to be something like that, or mm-hmm. rather than having people walk around on stage, um, I know that uh, Jonathan Frakes has been doing some stuff with online uh, chats with people. So yeah, yeah. I think I wonder if that's going to be the future of TV for a bit. Yep. Yeah. Just going to mention that uh, that's all going to be on Star or Star Wars Star Trek dot com. So it's oh, not yeah. hard to find. Cool. Yeah, there's a trailer here too, which we'll link in the show notes. Alrighty. And next up, staying on the Star Trek theme, as as that is the raison d'être for our uh, our podcast. There's news again today that uh, there's going to be a few new cast members that have been revealed for Star Trek Discovery season three. And a couple of the characters are particularly of interest because they're going to be the franchise's first explicitly non-binary and transgender characters. So we've obviously, uh, we've had a uh, gay relationship, a explicitly gay relationship in the last few seasons between uh, Stamets and um, Q Culber, the doctor. 
But this will be the first time that we're going to see characters that sort of fit uh, more into these broader areas. So we're going to get um, let's see their actors' names here: Ian Alexander, who was in the OA. And a newcomer named Blue Del Barrio. Alexander is going to be playing a Gray, who is an unjoined Trill, uh, who is eager to fulfill his lifelong dream of being a Trill host, but he'll have to adapt when life takes an unexpected turn. And Barrio will be playing Adira, a young but confident person with memory loss who forms a bond with Lieutenant Commander Stamets and Hugh Culber. So, again, nice nice to see some diversity and representation, and nice to see that uh, after, obviously, taking a pretty good pounding for about 50 years of <laughs> not being very good at uh, representing a spectrum of uh, sexuality, it's nice to see that they're, they're making strides more and more. Well, I mean, you can sort of accuse Star Trek of that in, in general, because they've always sort of had two arms, two legs, two eyes, ears, you know, mm-hmm. and a nose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously they've always sort of had polar characters like male and female, even even in Odo's culture where you sleep in a bucket, you know? Yeah. And yeah. you don't really have a form. They, yeah. they seem to feel that they had to polarize into male and female gender types, right? Yep. No, it's it's. Uh, I think it's a long overdue and, and most welcome thing. Yeah, we, we talked about last episode that uh, while it is on the one hand kind of a bummer that, uh, you know, it's... In, you know, well into the sixth decade or uh, for the Star Trek series to, to move this way. Uh, a big part of that is, you know, what's possible for them to do and, and push the boundaries on and be progressive about given the context of its era. And we talked about how in the 1960s, it was very progressive for, for multiple reasons. But if you took that same series and pretended it didn't exist and bring it to the 2020, we'd be horrified at how yeah. problematic it, it is, even though it was very progressive for the time, as, as we We've made progress. It's not so much. So I definitely look forward to you know the future era, maybe in in, in twenty thirty or twenty forty at the latest, where we're looking back and thinking, wow, remember when it was a big deal that Star Trek Discovery had its first explicitly trans and non-binary characters? And it'll just seem weird because it's like, yeah, well, uh, of course they do, right? That's, that's just better representation, uh, mm-hmm. similar to to Supergirl that that broke ground by having uh, Nicole Maines play a yep. trans character, um, yep. or I, I believe she's trans herself as well. Uh, so so yep. double kudos there for. For, for having somebody actually hiring somebody of that yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. and she's uh, great she's great on the show yeah she plays the the dreamer who has a, yeah. a relationship with uh brainiac so it's mm-hmm. so very good for that one yeah and that one's it's dealt with it both explicitly and in, in some with some subtlety which is nice I, that's my only concern whenever i hear these sort of casting announcements is obviously long overdue obviously very important but I also want to be mindful that I don't want to get beaten down with it. Like, it has to be played very properly. And I think Supergirl's done a wonderful job of, of using that character very effectively. And I, I hope they'll do the same on Discovery, where it's not just, they're not just there for, again, tokenism for, you know, to try and show some diversity, which is always welcome. But I want those people to be real characters. I want them to have uh, truth to who they're representing. Yeah, and, and I think the big part, uh, if it's not too late for the writers, and hopefully they've already considered this uh, for folks who are writing this sort of stuff, um, the key thing is uh, the fact that they're trans or non-binary should just sort of be uh, an attribute of, of who they are, but it shouldn't be the entire description of their character. Yeah, right? well, Just so, like when yeah. I think of, of the Dreamer character in Supergirl, trans is not like how I describe the character. I might nope. if it was like, oh, here's these other attributes of this person, right? She's you know, brunette, you know, she wears glasses, that sort of thing. But the character and who they are and, and, and how they would interact 
other people in, in certain contexts is not explicitly driven by the the trans factor. And mm-hmm. I hope that's the, the case here as well, where uh, these folks might happen to be non-binary and trans, but that's not the entirety of their character. Yep, yep absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting. I don't know if you guys ever watched Shameless, but I know it's not sci-fi. But they, it's a you know it's a family of of um, um, people. I think Chicago or Boston, Chicago probably. And uh, one of the characters is gay, and and you know he kind of grows up as a young. He starts out as a as a young kid and and or you know teenager, and kind of grows into a man. And in the later series, later seasons, last two seasons, he's had a relationship with a trans uh, man. Um, and it, and it's played by a, a, a trans actor too. So. It's really, really well done um, to the point where you would wouldn't know like until the character actually reveals that that's the case, right? So, and that was that was handled really well too. Good. Anyway, um, so yeah, next I, I keep thinking about. You know, I saw a commercial the other day for, for this movie at the IMAX and again today on the Space Channel. So tempting. You know, You're thinking about it, movie. aren't you? Come for the movie, stay for the COVID. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of, uh, as we're talking about Tenet, obviously, Tenet is, uh, it was the first sort of blockbuster to come out in the pandemic era and it apparently did surprisingly well at at the uh, box office over the last week it hasn't obviously opened in the united states yet it's opened in canada and some other territories but it's it's done quite well but one thing that is apparently uh, has been trending out of this is the fact that uh, while it is apparently an incredible visual uh, delight to watch this film it's also been a little bit raked over the coals for its sound mixing so there's been a bunch of social media posts and people commenting on the fact that no matter how good it looks that during some of those action scenes it's almost inaudible to hear what the actors are saying and they said you know given that nolan christopher nolan's films can be a little bit dense and complex as it is they say that it can be really challenging because you're trying to figure out what's happening in the midst of some scenes that are incredibly visually overloading as well as you know there's obviously a lot of cacophony and the sound going on and you have no idea like you almost are fishing for the subtitle subtitles button yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's funny because we joked last week that you know nolan's films are kind of meant for big screens they're very cinematic they really do do uh justice to why you go to a movie theater to see a movie uh this is a circumstance where you're almost thinking well maybe it would be better to watch it at home because you can turn the captions on and see what everyone's saying to one another or hit rewind to watch the scene again. yeah, yeah. so uh, interesting that that's sort of the result out of this although again mixed with this is the fact that everyone is saying that it's uh you know it's it's a complex movie you do have to try and obviously figure it out as you do with a lot of nolan's movies but they say it is very 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 engaging uh visually and that the performances of uh john david washington and robert pattinson are, are apparently quite good too so uh, um, again i'm with you tim i'm sort of kind of tempted to go but also trying to trying to maybe fight that urge i don't know yeah, you just go sit very still and put on like two masks. Then can we go? Yeah, and a raincoat and uh, hazmat suit. <laughs> I was gonna say, can we get a couple of those Eminem looking hazmat suits? So I might have an unconventional uh, way of, of getting around this uh, sound mix problem. So in my household, we tend to watch things with closed captions on and subtitles on, and 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 neither one of us has any sort of in hearing impairment. It just ends up being useful, right? Sometimes there are 
are accents that are, are challenging uh, as an example, right? Depending what we're watching, or sometimes it's in a language we don't understand and, mm-hmm. and we like subtitles over, over dub. So I'm guessing there probably are showings that do have closed captions for the hearing impaired at your theater. Might be an option for you to get around the, nobody cared I was, I put on a mask. Sort of thing, right? If, if that's a problem, I have a solution for you to still enjoy your, your theater going experience. <laughs> Yeah, well, now now you've got the option, folks. Now you know how to solve this problem. So wait, were you trying to do uh, what's the character from the? That's third? Bane. It's Bane. Bane. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Tom Hardy as Bane. Dark which, Knight Rises. Yeah. Yeah. People people complained in uh, in the theater, and I think they did change the the audio mix a little bit to make him a little bit easier to understand. Really, people didn't understand what he was saying. I think it was the first trailer that came out. They they were people were struggling with it, and they were saying, you know, well that better be better when you actually go to the theater. So I don't know if they actually changed it or not, but. Uh, but I didn't find it a problem in the theater. I mean, no, obviously, it's harder. But then the joke, of course, was that uh, a couple of years later, then then uh, Tom Hardy does Dunkirk, which is another Christopher Nolan movie, and he plays the pilot where he's wearing the mask the whole time, and of course, he's once again mumbling into a mask for the entire length of the film. I mean, I enjoyed his character in The Revenant, who did not have a mask but had a very very heavy accent, and I understood every like third word and still loved the performance. Yeah, or the one where he played twins, and and they both. That heavy, heavy accents. Yeah. Well, good acting overcomes, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And last, but not least in our uh, in our news feed here, we've got some fun stuff to leave on. The Global Batman Day celebration is on September 19th, and they always try and do some fun stuff. Obviously, this year, things are a little different. Usually, there's fun stuff to do when you go to your local comic store, and they'll have activities, and they'll have, uh, you know, people dressed up as Batman and stuff like that. It's really fun. But... This year, they've added a little little fun wrinkle ahead of time. So if you happen to be a fan of using the Waze app to get from place to place, you can now change your Waze audio so that you can have Kevin Conroy, the Batman from Batman the Animated Series, give you directions. And not only can you listen to Kevin Conroy as the Batman give you directions, but they will actually change your icon on the screen to a little Batmobile. <laughs> so... I don't use Waze, but I'm gonna. It kind of seems like it'd be wrong not to. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> when you have this opportunity. Yeah. So there's a bunch of details. If you go to uh, dccomics.com, there's a bunch of different stuff. So they're offering some free digital comics. They've got uh, some activity kits that you, uh, kits you can print out for the kids. They've got, uh, you know, some different stuff that you can tune into, uh, some special products and stuff like that. So there's all kinds of stuff going on for Batman Day. It has turned into kind of a thing uh, in its own right. Um, but that was the one that really jumped out at me as, as something that's... Just just super fun and silly and i love i mean when i read a batman comic and i've been reading Bat- batman comics since i was a kid when i read batman kevin conroy's voice is what i hear oh, really? he is my batman due respect to adam west who i deeply love but uh but yeah my batman voice unquestionably kevin conroy no i mean like i think i told you before the only show i was allowed to watch in in england was batman mm-hmm. you know so it was a long way i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say i'm tied to adam west but of course i did watch that quite uh often when i was younger mm-hmm. yep. I'm, just, I'm just scrolling through some batman t-shirts right now to see if i can find one with a, a vintage logo but they're all sort of the current you know iterations for batman day right there you go yeah with the, with the old uh the blue bat wings you know, with the Batman logo on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, well, we're at that part of the show where we talk about Star Trek Lower Decks. And this time we're talking about Cupid's Errant. Cupid Errant Arrow. Cupid's Errant I think Arrow? it's Cupid's. Cupid. Sorry, that might be my bad. Okay. We'll try, do you want to try that again? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it was bad enough as it was. Uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's dig in, and uh, Jonathan's doing the recap this week. Yeah, interesting point. I, I did make a note of the first point you've got here, too. Yeah, so uh, in the first time, uh, now our fifth episode, there's, there's no cold open. It just starts with the credits, which I kind of caught me off guard. I thought maybe that I had maybe accidentally pressed a fast forward or, or missed something, but it, there was no cold open on the uh, episode of... of uh, lower decks this week so that that was an interesting way to start so we start our episode with the cerritos is in orbit of mixtus 3 along with the uss vancouver a parliament class uh, vessel and they are there because a moon is about to collide with a planet and they are there to to demolish the moon before it can impact now, this is complicated by the fact that there are a bunch of different stakeholders from the planet who are all there uh, in the captain's ready room bickering, or I guess in the in the uh, conference room bickering, and they can't, you know, can't all agree on all these different problems. So one person is saying, "Well, we worship this moon, and we can't we can't destroy this moon because it's part of our our worship." And one of them is saying, "Well, the moon affects our tides, and our tides affect our crops. How are we going to be able to water our crops if the tides are changed because of the moon and one person says well this is generational land and you can't you can't mess with our generational land and and then of course one of them pipes up and says it's a conspiracy it's a conspiracy to uh you know trick us out of our moon and you know the, the government wants to control us the government yeah. wants to control us by taking away our moon um so at well well captain freeman deals with that we head below decks where boimler announces that he is going to uh, be meeting with his girlfriend. And, of course, this is some interesting news, given that, uh, well, A, Boimler's a dork, and B, that, uh, yeah, he's got this, this quote-unquote, real girlfriend. And Mariner, of course, is is very dubious of the fact that he actually has a girlfriend. He's been talking about her nonstop. Her name is Lieutenant Barbara Brinson, and he's, you know, so super stoked because she's on the Vancouver, and he's going to get a chance to see her again. And uh yeah as hot as a as hot as a hopped up cue on captain picard day i think is what he describes her as mm-hmm. uh so mariner of course says no no she's she's a hologram and he says no no i stopped doing that i don't do, don't do that anymore and he's, she says either way i'm gonna hit her when i see her just to make sure she's real well she's gonna she's gonna i'm gonna wave my hand push past my hand through her yeah yeah and he says you're gonna hit skin you're gonna yeah. hit skin that's right that's right um we cut to below decks uh even more i guess and we cut to uh rutherford and tendy who are working on repairing part of the cerritos and they're talking about how much they both love the cerritos uh, rutherford says it smells like toasting marshmallows on a cool night uh, as something is slowly burning beside him uh, underneath one of the control panels and both of them talk about how great it would be to work on something like the vancouver which is a much bigger fancier newer ship so t88s and they're not even out yet that's right they've got the t88 scanners that's the best the best ones so we go back over to the vancouver and there mariner and boimler run into barb and the first thing that mariner says is computer and program yeah Yeah. was, was was a great line it made me laugh um and of course she's real and she jumps into his arms and they kiss and it's uh it's really sort of weird like boimler sort of seems kind of cool with it and you know he's sort of you know 
He says, we kissed. Did you see that? Yeah, we yeah. kissed. Did you see? And uh, yeah, she sort of says, you know, oh, you know, he's, he's got this sort of exudes this kind of primal confidence. And, you know, Mariner is just aghast at the fact that we're getting this. And uh, and we also meet Jet, who is uh, one of the crew of Cerritos as well. Uh, the hottest guy on the Cerritos, apparently. And he is, uh, apparently he also knows Barb. And so that's a little sort of awkward. We find out that Brad Boimler's real name is Bradward. Yeah. I'm guessing that's made up because I don't think I've ever heard of anybody called Bradward. Nope, nope. Um, so he's he's kind of disappointed because he's going to take her for this very fancy meal. But uh, because of this crisis with the moon and everything, they have to uh, cancel that. And Jet, the cool hot guy, and uh, Barb are going to head down to uh, work on that problem. And Boimler has to go amuse himself for a little while. And of course, he, you can tell immediately he feels threatened by Jet because Jet is twice his size and, and cool and good looking and funny and and uh barbara's laughing at all his little jokes and everything we and cut, it's not like i cooked a 10 course meal not like i cooked a 10 course meal uh we cut to tendy and rutherford who are meeting with lieutenant commander docent ron docent who is there and he basically says you know hey you know you guys are really into these you know t88s you clearly love the ship i tell you what you guys go and do these diagnostics for me and uh whoever finishes checking them first gets to keep their t88 and they said what like keep like for the afternoon no no you get to keep them you get to take them you get to keep them and tendy slaps him across the face and says i'm sorry i'm just checking to see if this is a dream so they're super psyched to be on board this cool ship with the cool gadgets so then we cut back to mariner who of course now is is getting her full paranoia on she is you know talking about you know i'm not sure barb is what she pretends to be and i'm i'm suspicious about this meanwhile boimler is nervous about jet who he describes as a kirk sunday with a trip tucker sprinkles on top which again like good good one if you're a trek fan obviously kirk's an easy one trip tucker you gotta want it um so mariner's convinced she's she's an alien she's gonna eat you or or she's a romulan spy or or she's a salt succubus or an android or a changeling or a sexy person in a romper who'll try to murder you for walking on the grass on the grass that's the best which is again a great callback to uh to tng and of course her her paranoia is built on truth so they flash back to her being on the keto and she's there with one of her friends her friend has this sort of perfect boyfriend and they're talking about how great they are together and of course it turns out that he's a Harvungian shape changer and mauls her friend. Uh, so she's determined to not let this happen again. Uh, I also made a point in here about the hair. The hair that they put on uh, yeah, on Mariner is pretty excellent. Um, cut back to the bridge and there is the captain, Captain Freeman, trying to solve these issues. She says, okay, listen, we've got all these issues. I can deal with this. Three tons of moon dust. We're going to take three tons of moon dust and we're going to bring it down so you guys can continue to worship the moon dust. Uh, we'll put some gravity systems in for the tides. We'll fix that. We'll relocate the homes from the sixth moon to the fifth moon because technically it will be the f- fifth moon again. And then that just leaves one guy and one guy is staying in the room and he says, no, 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 no. You guys, you, you've solved all these problems. You can't solve my problem. This moon is blocking the pollution from hitting my uh, hitting the moon where my people are and so she's like oh okay well you know we're starfleet we can figure this out and he's saying no no you're you're it's genocide you're gonna kill us so she's trying to figure this problem out cut back to the vancouver and boimler who's now paranoid that uh his girlfriend is spending time with cool guy jet 
decides he's going to crash the meeting that she's in. So he shows up and he kind of makes an ass of himself and he, you know, disrupts things. And of course, Jet just seems even cooler by comparison. And uh, Mariner sneaks into the room and turns on her Troy Carter and turns on this incredibly loud blaring noise that everyone has to cover their ears for. At which point she says, oh, sorry, that was just you, Troy Carter, my bad. And it was actually set to disrupt positronic brains. <laughs> so she's like, oh, she's clearly not an android because that would have if she was she would have been like wiped out by that so we're getting sort of this deeper into the paranoia and and in a, a very very trek fashion we're getting deep into the paranoia of well this is this is how relationships go right on, on star trek if you're in a happy relationship something must be wrong because that's how things work on star trek um we cut down Red alert yeah yeah we cut down to tendy and rutherford and of course they've got these t88s and they're just going gangbusters and they're doing their scans and they turn into a competition rutherford turns on his uh, his uh, ocular implant and is trying to go even faster and the two of them are trying to outdo each other because they both really want to keep these T88 uh, scanners. So then we cut back to uh, Mariner and Boimler. Boimler's bummed because he looked like an ass in front of his girlfriend and Jet looked even cooler and Mariner's going deeper into the paranoia hole. She says, okay, so I haven't got it figured out. She's got the paranoia board up on the wall with a string tying things together. It's got pictures of Klingons and Cardassians and different ships and she says, well, you know, maybe she's a Cardassian spy or maybe she's a transporter clone. I've got it. She's a Sulaban, which yeah. again, deep cuts. You got to, you know, enterprise. Um, Boimler decides, OK, I got to I got to I got to be cooler. That's the problem is I'm not cooler. So he tries doing he tries to getting buff. So he does like two push ups and then passes out. And then he decides, OK, I, I'm going to ask the tra- the uh, replicator to replicate me an outfit based on the coolest people in Earth history and ends up with this rather comical outfit that's part leather jacket part uh, uh oh god what do you call those ones with the uh the sports jackets from high school like a yeah. letterman's jacket letterman's jacket that's yeah. exactly it good to, with, the, with the marty mcfly boots with and the, the michael yeah. jackson yeah. <laughs> that's right and of course he just looks like a clown he goes in and uh goes into the to the uh, cafeteria and he sees her there and he picks her up just like jet did but of course he's straining to pick her up he goes over to the replicator and he orders a, a hot beer and then changes his mind no no i meant cold beer and he ends up tripping and spilling the beer all over uh, his girlfriend she's ticked off uh meanwhile while this is all happening mariner reaches in behind and cuts a lock of barb's hair off uh, convinced that she's uh, convinced that she's now a reptoid, and we her- drop we drop a bleeped f bomb too. That's right? right. That's another bleep bleeped f bomb. And uh, when when Boimler says, you know what what's wrong with you? Like why are you so convinced that she's something else? She said, well, she said you're sexy. That's her tell. Right. Um, Boimler ends up trying to uh, you know go back and and make amends. He walks into the tractor bay and he hears what he thinks is sex. It sounds like Jet and Barb are having sex. He ends up busting around the corner and they were just obviously working on the ship. You know he's worried. Oh, I've, I've screwed it up. I'm so sorry. I've, I've screwed it all up. You're not going to want to be with me anymore. She says, No, it's it's not a big deal. Let's just start the day over. Let's have a let's let's just work it out from here. I'm you know I understand. Obviously you're just upset. You know Jet and I aren't doing anything you know nothing's happening it's going to be fine and then mariner runs at her and dives at her and pulls her pants down and pants her 
uh, because she's convinced that she's a rep a reptoid and the reptoids uh, implant their eggs in you by stinging you with their tail so she's trying to find her tail so she rips off her pants barb quickly pulls her pants back up and sort of says you know uh no no this isn't just you know you're wrong move on and she and boimler leave at which point mariner finds this little little strange thing on the floor that's an exoskeletal husk a little what looks like a i don't know what a bean pod of some type yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, we cut back to the the duel between Tendi and uh, Rutherford, and they both go in, and they both, you know, basically finish the exact same time, and, and Docent, the, um, the lieutenant commander, says, well, you know, congratulations, you guys tied. You both get to keep your T-88s and, you know, put them to good use here on the Vancouver. And they say, well, what are you talking about? He says, oh, yeah, you know, you guys are both being transferred over here. I, I, when I said you guys get to keep those things, I meant you get to keep them because you're going to be here working on this ship. And so they're both kind of aghast that oh, we, we, had, we had no idea what this, that's what we we're getting ourselves into. Do you think that voice is Matt Walsh? I'm looking at the list of people on the show. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I, I looked at that, too, because I, I noticed that um, Jillian Jacobs is listed as one of the voices, and so is Matt Walsh. And I thought maybe Jillian Jacobs was doing the voice of Barb. Uh, Jillian Jacobs, yeah, of course, from Community, yeah. right? Yeah, and Lauren, Lauren Tom's in this, too. She's the she's the girl from Future, Futurama. Yeah, yeah. Um, we cut back to uh, the fact that Boimler and Barb have gone to one of the orbital platforms that's working on trying to get the uh, moon destroyed. And having found this little husk... Mariner is now even more convinced that something has gone wrong and that something bad is going to happen to Boimler. So she hits her comm button and says, emergency transport from here to platform gamma authorization. Uh, was it Mariner eight? And the, the voice comes on and says, uh, you don't have authorization for this. And who is this? That's a made up name. Yeah. yeah. Why, why are you doing this? And so she ends up basically grabbing a spacesuit and jumping out the, at the airlock and propelling herself uh, out to this orbital platform so that she can get there. And when she stumbles into the room, she finds naked Brad sitting in the chair who thought he was going to be there with his girlfriend. And she's disgusted and he's horrified. She says, she stands up and he's being bleeped out. Too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's fully nude, but he's got his, his black bar over his stuff. And uh, so she says, you know, I found this this husk for a neural parasite. So it's something's gone wrong. And he says, you don't know what you're talking about. And of course, then this the uh, the platform gets jarred. He falls backwards and is knocked out, at which point Barb comes in and Barb and Mariner both think that they are on the right side of things. So they start fighting. Cut back to the scene with Tendi and Rutherford. They're now starting to get a little depressed because as much as they really thought the Vancouver was cool, they're really, really sad at the idea of leaving. So they decide to go back and, and see the lieutenant commander. And he sort of says, you know, hey, you know, all I have to do is press this button and you guys are going. I don't care if you want to go or not. So they steal his pad device, his his uh, his instructions on there and they start running away and it starts turning into a bit of a farce there cut back to bar like the part where they before they get in there where they're talking about you know the vancouver and vancouver's the doors that go whoosh and the, they both go whoosh, whoosh. yes yeah it's a good line uh we cut back to barb versus mariner and the two of them are having a fight and 
we cut to the flip side of this where Barb is saying, you know, I thought you were maybe a rogue holodeck character when I first met you. And then I thought you were a Breen infiltrator. But now I know you are a parasite. And Mariner says, I'm not a parasite. You're the parasite. So the two of them are, are both bringing up, of course, all these tropes that have worked through 54 years worth of Star Trek. Um, cut back to the bridge. Captain Freeman's got this one last person to deal with. You know, all this is happening, and the moon is about to crash into this planet. And he, is, she's talking to him, and he says, "Well, you know, uh, you 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 can't you can't do this. You know, you're going to ruin civilization for the both of us." And he, she says, wait a minute, both of us? How many people are on this moon? And he says, well, there's two of us there. Just me and my wife. We're rich, you know. And he, she says, okay, that's it. We're, we're going to resettle you guys. This is We're going to blow up the moon. And he says, no, no, we, you're a monster. We just redid the floors. <laughs> uh, Barb and Mariner realize that they were both obviously mistaken. And they bond over the fact that... Uh, Brad is a dork. And when they're having this little bonding session, uh, Barb reveals that, you know, uh, Boimler made a fool of himself at one point, shaking hands with a Lorshan's egg sack. Mm-hmm. And she says, listen, yeah, you know, if you don't trust me still, it's fine. Just scan me and you'll know that I'm human and it's fine. So Mariner says, okay, fine. So she scans her and she turns out to be human, but there's a parasite, parasite detected on her uh, scanner. So something's still wrong. We cut back to Docent chasing down Rutherford and Tendy and pointing a phaser at them. And he says, listen, I don't want to stun you. I don't want to do anything here, but you guys have to give me back my pad. And he ends up stunning Rutherford's hand. And then he drops the phaser and he stuns him again in the leg. And they open it up by by finding out that his password was Riker. And it turns out that what he was doing was transferring himself to the Cerritos and transferring them to work on the Vancouver. And he says, I don't want to be epic anymore. I don't want to work on the Dyson Sphere. I don't want to solve all these major problems. I just want a nice, quiet life. So they say, okay, fine. We'll, we'll, you know, we won't report you, but we'll, we'll take two T-88s to go, please. And he says, fine. All right, fine. I'll give you two T-88s. Cut back to the platform, and they scan again to find out where the parasite is, and it turns out it's in the back of Boimler's head. So they open it up, and it's this little weird creature who speaks English and was attached to him and apparently was the thing that was making him chemically irresistible and keeps uttering the phrase, lover, 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 lover. And so they pull this thing off and they put it in a jar and Brad says, well, without this thing, you're not going to, you're not going to want to be with me anymore. And she says, well, you know, you know, I just want to, it's not you. I just really want to focus on my studies, mainly studying this little guy. And so Brad unfortunately loses his, his lover and, uh, but it's okay. Cause he's got Mariner and Mariner saved him and it's all good. And then we finish up with Tendi and Rutherford who are, back in where they were fixing things on the Cerritos and they're happy to be home, happy to be there. And they turns out they both stole a bag full of T-88s from the Vancouver. And so they're going to be the stars of the show because not only do they have T-88s for themselves, but they have them for their friends. Oh, good episode. A lot of, lot of, lot of little throwaway lines that, that, you know, like, like the, the Kirk Sunday with the trip, uh, <laughs> trip Tucker trip Sprinkles. Trip and, Tucker uh, Sprinkles. Yeah. 
That's a great and, line. Uh, and the pajama, dressed in pajama or onesies or whatever, who arrest you for walking on the grass. Yeah, and, yeah. Little lines like that. Interesting mm-hmm. show. I mean, good, like good sort of you know back and forth double double plot line. It seems to be that's going to be the way it got to, it's going to go to go. It's going to be Mariner and Boimler and Rutherford and Tendy kind of like having their little adventures. You know. Yeah, it seems like they're sort of you know the a plot b plot kind of you know they're, they're working it like a pretty good and the captain show. and, and uh, commander um, ransom. Ransom. Right? Yeah. They yeah. have their sort of their higher level you know yeah issues to deal with right so. yeah yeah i thought it was good it definitely this episode it felt like what we had talked about previously where it did lean a little bit heavily on your star trek knowledge mm-hmm. uh i think it would have been a funny episode just because it's a funny episode that this you know that mariner if you didn't really know star trek as well you know mariner would come off as you know paranoid but you know mm-hmm. it turns out that there was something wrong in the end but the fact that she's playing off all of these Star Trek tropes, because there have been yeah. so many episodes about a doomed uh, relationship, relationship where, yeah. you know, oh, it's the perfect thing, but it turns out that something's wrong. Like that has had been told, I don't know how many times, like 20 mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. episodes of Star Trek over the years. So it definitely leaned on those tropes. And as you say, it's some really good little jokes. I like the, you know, hopped up as Q on Captain Picard Day. I liked uh, the... Um, yeah, the Kirk Sunday with Trip Tucker Sprinkles. I also love that the when she goes to when Boimler goes to see uh, Brinson on the Vancouver, he's bringing her flowers and a teddy bear, and the teddy bear it looks like Jordy LaForge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the Jordy yeah, bear. Too. Oh, like just again, little little things, little details that are a lot of fun. If you're if you're a hardcore track, this is a, I think a great show. Well, in the alien wall where she had all the different aliens and and the salt succubus in the center. There, oh yeah, the, absolutely, the absolutely. Gorgeous women that were. Yeah. Yeah. Into the salt that were the three, you know, irresistible women, that, but they were actually huge monsters, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, again, this one definitely played off of the expectations that have been built by, you know, a century, a half century of, of Star Trek storytelling. But I think it works on its own, too. But again, all those little throwaway lines, you know, oh, you're a Cardassian spy. Oh, you're Breen. Oh, you're a Suliban. Like, all these different things. You know, I was sitting here watching this with my son, and he was sort of saying, oh, what's, what's a Suliban? Like, it just, you know, some of these <laughs> things are just not, uh, you know, you'd, you'd have to watch a ton of Star Trek to get all the references. Right. Yeah. But that being said, it was still funny. We were still laughing out loud at just some of the craziness and nonsense and, and just goofiness. Uh, the more Mariner got paranoid, uh, the more fun I think it got. I also, did we know that her name was Beckett? Yes. I think her mother had mentioned it in, in, in the prior yeah. episode. Oh, yeah. where she bonds yeah. with her mom. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I saw it in the captions. I had the closed captions turned on just uh, like you do, Jaime. And I, um, yeah, I just remember looking at it and thinking, like, did we did we know that her name was Beckett? Beckett yes. and Bradward. I'm kind of curious. Uh, well, let me let me state one other fact. I thought it was pretty interesting that the Vancouver, the USS Vancouver, is a Parliament-class ship. Yes, I thought so, too. Uh, for folks who don't know, uh, Canada has a parliamentary uh, government system, and uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, is one of its larger cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am very curious. But Vancouver's also in uh, Washington State, you know. Washington, That's Vancouver, true. You guys have a Vancouver, too. We do have Vancouver. A, a Vancouver, but, but given the fact that it's a Parliament-class ship and this other tr- that I was kind of curious if if there was like a, a, a cultural exchange here, right? So uh, I'm the American on this show, and the fact that the, the ship is uh, you know named after place in Canada and, and potato chips. No, what's that? 
And a bag of potato chips. Ketchup well, so potato chips. So <laughs> the ship that Barb comes from is, is named after a major place, a major city in, in Canada. And the fact that Mariner didn't believe that Boimler could possibly have a girlfriend struck me as, oh, this is the girlfriend in Canada. You wouldn't know her trope. Oh, nice. Right. Nice. Yeah, right. that didn't click. But that's great. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's probably more an American thing. I don't know if there's a Canadian equivalent. Uh, yeah, no, ours are, they, they live in Nunavut. You wouldn't know her. She lives in Nunavut. Yeah, or down east. Yeah. Yeah. But never on yep. the other side of the border. They're not like no, in Chicago. No, we, we, we'd never say we're dating an American girl. That's, that's, that's something else. Yeah. But that's a real thing down there, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a weird trope uh, of, of at least, you know, media that deals with, with like high school kids, you know, where, where you would be embarrassing to be the, the one loser who doesn't have any dates. So you, you claim to have a girlfriend in uh, and then nobody knows who they are. You can never meet them because, oh, you met them in camp or traveling or something while you're in Canada. Right, right. On your way to Niagara Falls, because all Americans have to go to Niagara Falls, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, <laughs> uh, the season of uh, uh, Stranger Things actually played with that trope too or one of the characters has That's a, right. yeah, yeah. a girlfriend in canada type of situation going yeah. on yeah and they don't believe him right 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 yeah yeah again i think this was another good one i think uh the show has definitely uh stayed at a pretty high level and again i think if you if you're hardcore into track it definitely plays on a different level which you know certainly is tickling my funny bone mm-hmm yeah, yeah one, sure. one thing um, that, that the interwebs has, has gotten a little, hung, or a couple of things the interwebs has gotten a little hung up on related mm-hmm. to timelines and et cetera. Um, one would be in that flashback scene on the Quido when, when Mariner is, uh, uh, you know, the, dealing with the, the friend who had, or coworker who had a, uh, you know, not who they claim to be, shapeshifter type uh, boyfriend. People said, wait a minute, so she's wearing the, the, the dark, you know, neutral color uniform uniforms that uh, in film and in, in our media first premiered in Star Trek First Contact and then made their way over to Deep Space Nine in whichever season that was. It was like fourth season, right? And and some people say, wait a minute, th- does the math work out then given where this series is supposed to take place? And then you sort of go backwards. How old could Mariner possibly be? Uh, and that coupled with one of the, the things that the, the, the dead friend said was, oh, did you hear about this crazy thing that happened on the Enterprise where uh, apparently data you know, Commander Data has a brother and named Lore, and there was this whole Borg thing. Yeah, folks say, wait a minute, but then if you look at that, that goes even further back to uh, season six, going into seven of, of Star Trek: The Next Generation. And I think I have answers for both of those. One, we've seen, like in Discovery, um, that you know you can have different uniforms sort of spreading out throughout the, uh, the Starfleet, and it doesn't just happen like, oh, okay, on this particular day, everybody changes all their uniforms at once, right? We yeah. saw that where uh, Pike came on board is like oh well you know uh we've got the new uniforms they're using the older uniforms and discovery the old blue ones and we've got the the newer yellow uh ones and the other thing i'd say is it, it seems pretty clear given the fact that the um what do you say his name was docent that uh yep. that commander or lieutenant who, who wanted to leave like the vancouver apparently is like an enterprise type ship that unlike the cerritos is like oh they're dealing with boring stuff and it kind of sucks because they're they're always assigned the bad uh, or or less desirable uh command positions and, and missions. It seems like the Vancouver gets a lot of like crazy stuff like, oh, we either go back to the 1920s and like kill the guy that's worse than Hitler, right? Like they had way too many adventures and he just wanted something chill like the Cerritos was doing is why he wanted to transfer himself, right? And so I wonder if, you know, uh, stuff that happens on the Enterprise isn't necessarily like showing up on the, you know, Starfleet Twitter feed and is more like it takes a little bit of a while for the, the records and the, the you know, 
some crew reports to make their way out into the fleet. That's what I think happens there. That's why I think the timing makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's still, because uh, this is supposed to be set after Nemesis, right? Yes, I yeah. believe so. Yeah. So not it's not inconceivable, although it's really hard. Again, an animated series, how are you supposed to gauge how old Mariner is supposed to be? Like, she could have been, and she's already said she's been, like, promoted and knocked down and transferred around. Like, she may well have been in Starfleet for a while. Yeah. I, like, I could see, you know, I don't know if they ever stated these characters. Let, let's pretend you, you get out of Starfleet Academy somewhere around, like, the end of college age. So they're, like, 22, 23. And... Mariner could very easily be in the like 27 to 29 range and still feel, you know, relatively young compared to the the senior staff, mm-hmm. um, but still uh, just a little bit more mature than uh, than the folks who are fresh out of the academy, like you know, Tendi and Rutherford and Boynton. Yeah, she definitely seemed more seasoned and they have played her that way, too. So, you know, I don't think it's incongruous that she's had a life and experiences and they could make references like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not unusual that she should be a, a, a lieutenant you know at her because i mean that's the, she makes a point about bar being a lieutenant as well but uh and last week she was promoted to lieutenant but and it didn't seem to be that difficult for them to sort of consider her to be there so yeah although that was mostly because her mom wanted to torture her. no i yeah i realized it was her mom, her mom playing her but yeah. Still, yeah but still well if you're that pedantic about a cartoon so- series i think maybe you're spending a little too much time with it although yeah. that being said we do a whole podcast about it so <laughs> that's true uh, but i mean yeah by the same token though yeah like i think i think that that people take star trek way too serious you know um or even just the wrong take right like just because it's the first time that we the viewers have seen something doesn't mean it's necessarily the first time something has occurred in universe mm-hmm. no i mean yeah i've read a lot of star trek books myself and there's a lot of a lot of plot lines that, that not not discussed you know that never really make it into the main canon yeah but i mean you no know, you don't have like dean roddenberry going back and rewriting episode three of of the original series every couple of years right so <laughs> right <laughs> yeah mm. yeah i've been watching i've been watching the uh the original series a bit more lately it's 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 really it's it's becoming more more and more like uh like um twilight zone every time i see it because it's very like there's not a lot of consistency between the episodes as much as there is in the later later series you know yeah so they bounce around in terms of technologies and and uh the things they the things they say to the ship and you know whatever so it's kind of kind of interesting well again at that point you sort of get like obviously a lot of that is sort of new you know they're making up stuff as they go and they're doing things differently so yeah yeah yeah, it's it's understandable, I guess, at that point. You know, they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Yeah, I was watching the Corbomite Renewer again mm-hmm. um, last week, and then as well, the uh, the cage was played again, mm. the two-parter with uh, where Buck goes on... Uh, yeah, with like, Pike, uh, yeah. Court Marshall. Yep. With Christopher Pike. Yep. Mm-hmm. They have that as a standalone episode on Crave here. What, that, the whole thing? Yeah, if you go in, they had, like, the original series. You can watch the original series, but then they also have the cage as, uh, like, a, just a separate Yeah, no, thing. the cage was, was released as it was the original pilot yeah right? yeah so yeah. yeah 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 i've seen that but i think i have i used to have a vhs of it somewhere but yeah, yeah for sure i'll have to check it out all righty so let's move on to our watch list then um jonathan you're up first yeah so uh the slam dunk for me this week is the boys season two which is premiering on amazon prime september 4th uh the first season was i thought excellent filmed here in beautiful toronto and uh and uh yeah one of our one of our family members worked on that show so extra yeah, pride there sure. and and uh and so big big shout outs brother and uh yeah that the first season was really um 
as a fan of the comic, I wasn't sure how it was going to translate because it's pretty damned edgy. I was a little concerned that they would sort of be a little flaccid next to that, but it was pretty over the top. The violence, the uh, the language, the the behavior, they didn't pull any punches. It was pretty, pretty over the top. But also, as as with the comic book, very dark humor. There's a lot of sort of, sort of quasi-humorous, squirm-in-your-seat kind of humorous uh, stuff through that show. So I'm really looking forward to where it goes from season one to season two. They obviously left on a bit of a cliffhanger as to uh, where things left off. So, um, yeah, it's definitely on my to-do list starting this weekend is to uh, dig into Boys season two. And they also, uh, they've already announced season three is is coming. So uh, we'll know that this is not necessarily going to be about wrapping it up in a nice bow. They can actually have a little bit of runway to build the universe a little more. So pretty cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. I enjoyed season one. I'd never read the comic, but it was definitely in that that spirit of like um, Will Smith's Hancock, Mm -hmm. where what if superheroes were real and what if they were doing douchey things, especially if they're backed by a a big corporation. So it all made a lot of sense to me. Like, yeah, that's probably what would happen too if we had superheroes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's an interesting take on that that world of the corporatization of fame and how they how, you know, celebrities are made and manufactured, which is rings pretty true. I did plus one that choice, too, because I would have chosen that one had you not. There you go. Mm -hmm. Thanks for letting me have it. Yeah, no worries. The other one that I flagged for my watch list is they put up a trailer this week for Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous, uh, which is a Netflix animated series Mm. that is obviously set around the Jurassic World, Jurassic Park uh, franchise. This one, um, the trailer's pretty good, actually. I was, I I didn't really, I I think maybe I had known that they were going to do this series. It's coming uh, to Netflix on the 18th of September. Uh, and it sort of is taking the view of, yeah, it's, it says six campers uncover the wonders and secrets of Isla, Isla Nublar, discover the other side of the island in Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Camp Cretaceous. I'm, uh, I didn't really know much about it, but the trailer looks pretty good. Although mm-hmm. I feel like Jurassic World is kind of hitting a bit of a wall for me. The whole Jurassic thing of like, mm-hmm. okay, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. Like it feels <laughs> like by the time we get to this is now going to be like they're working on the sixth movie this is now an animated series like how much can you do like i can't believe the dinosaurs got out like of course they got out of course they got out like (laughs) but at the same time i will say the trailer is kind of edgy it's got kind of a stranger things kind of vibe it's a little dark it's got sort of the kids in danger kind of vibe to it it looks good, and I and I do think that they do they do do those Jurassic things well. But it feels like maybe that premise is wearing itself out. What do you guys take on on the Jurassic? Oh no, the dinosaurs got out for the umpteenth time. Yeah, I don't know. I saw the last one when I was down east with Adam and Peter. Um, it was okay, but you know, it's you're right. It, it sort of has run its course. I mean, it, it's I don't know. It's kind of Jumanji-ish in a sense too. That it's kind of um, I, I guess it, it compared to Pacific Rim. It, this is my get your big bag of popcorn and, and sit back and watch the movie kind of movie. So yeah. I can't complain. You know, I, I can't really criticize a movies like uh, like Pacific Rim if I watch these these Jurassic things. So yeah, I mean, you're right. Like the once once the first movie was the first movie was like was the one. You know, the rest are all sort of just remakes, right? Well, and the criticism at the time of Jurassic Park, the original in the 90s, was isn't this just Westworld? <laughs> oh, right, oh yeah, right. I suppose it is. Yeah, it is. It's like it was by Michael Crichton, the same author. Yeah. 
who yeah, right. did it, mm-hmm. the idea of Westworld is they build this amusement park with these animatronic or robotic characters. They go awry and they attack the people. These are real dinosaurs, though, John. Okay, but it's the same premise. So, again, it's not like this isn't well-worn territory. It's been a sci-fi thing since the 70s. So we're talking 50 years of, you know this being a thing so again it's not that they aren't doing it well it's not that there aren't compelling stories it's not that's not you know uh well realized but at the same time again at a certain point you're like maybe don't go to the island yeah, there, there's, yeah. Uh, there might be some diminishing returns there, and it'd be interesting to see if this ends up expanding on things, or if it ends up feeling like, yeah, this might need like another decade or or fifteen years to 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 freshen up and and reboot, or you know, soft reboot in the future. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think the basic idea is there, right? Like if you know, uh, Westworld sort of thing, um, amusement park, and things go wrong, is, is, is I think going to be around for a long time. It's just finding new takes, new spins on it, the way that. Uh, that Jurassic Park did, and, and uh, to a lesser extent, Jurassic World did. Yeah. I will say, if you're going to carry on a franchise like that, you, you have to kind of look to what they did with the the most recent reboot of the Planet of the Apes, where, yeah, okay, here we are once again, we're bringing back Planet of the Apes. This is the you know number of times they've rebooted it or tried different takes on it. The last one actually had an evolution to it. It was the first one where, hey, there's this one, and then it gets it's special, and then there's this thing, and it gets loose. And then it sort of builds off of like, oh, actually, things are really changing and the world is changing. Like if the dinosaurs were brought back and they were getting loose, if the next thing was, oh, hey, the dinosaurs have made it to mainland China or the dinosaurs have made it to, to uh, Argentina or where, like they were off the coast of South, uh, South America. Right. Like if they were sort of taking it to that next level of like, oh, there's like a dinosaur infestation here and they need to bring people in to, to deal with it or dinosaurs are spreading around the world or something. You could see that. And I guess that's kind of what they tried to do with Lost World was like oh bring them to to los angeles and that'll be a thing but it feels like again like there's dinosaurs on this island like maybe let the island explode like you know maybe maybe gas the island just saying right right or, or maybe they could just like lean really hard and say like the dinosaurs they came to Toronto and Vancouver and <laughs> just yeah. like don't yeah. even pretend <laughs> just like we know you're shooting the film there just just lean into the fact that this is where it's in. <laughs> that's right Atlanta is everything shot in Atlanta now yeah yeah it's for Georgia stuff for sure it's just like oh no don't step on that peach tree <laughs> no, no. All right. I mean, what do you got? Yeah, I think uh, rather timely with the Christopher Nolan um, back Tenet coming out is this YouTube video from the Lessons from the Screenplay folks who have, uh, it's called Christopher Nolan versus Interstellar, the Nolan Crosscut, uh, which examines how uh, Christopher Nolan has this sort of trademark technique, uh, his crosscut that he uses in The Dark Knight, Inception, and Interstellar. And the premise of this particular, uh, what is it, 15-ish minute episode is how The Dark Knight and Inception are better, uh, in this person's opinion, at dealing with that crosscut between, you know, here are the different tracks of what's going on and building the tension in a unified way for the story that Interstellar doesn't do quite as well and and might explain why it doesn't feel like it's building up to the same sort of 
uh, crescendo as the Dark Knight in Inception do. But it's worth a watch. It sort of analyzes the on the Dark Knight. It's the um, the Joker's scheme to uh, to have folks um, on the two different ships, you know, blow each other up, or he's going to blow them both up. And Batman trying to stop him. Inception deals with the various levels of the dream that all have to sort of go off at once. And then Interstellar's is is a little looser. It's like, well, you have uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, and Anne Hathaway dealing with some parts in space, and then you also have future uh, Murph dealing with stuff, and then it's a little unclear how those are going to tie together, whereas it's a little bit more straightforward in Inception and The Dark Knight, how everything works timeline-wise and how it all sort of builds to that same uh, answering the dramatic question of, like, what is it that the story is about and what keeps the audience watching? This is worth a, a watch as one of those, like, masterclass sort of things if you're if you're interested in screenplays. Very cool. Hmm. All right. Well, mine is, is a, there's a couple of sci-fi co- shows coming out, but one of them I think we've talked about on the show before is called Raised by Wolves. Yes? No? I think um, another, is that HBO. Uh, for you, it is. For us, it's on our healthcare plan. <laughs> when you um, socialize sci-fi, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's basically uh, seems to be a story about uh, uh, from the trailer. It's a story about um, uh, an android that raises uh, a group of children, and uh, they're raised uh, without any type of religion. And um, when the uh, colonists catch up, the 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 gist is that the kids are. Supposed to not believe the lies which are you know the, the religions and stuff that these the colonists are going to bring with them and um so there's obviously something that happened and i think maybe charlie Hahnemann, the guy from i'm not sure who the who the, the male character is but he's one of the, the people that come along and from sons of anarchy charlie Hunnam. Yeah, Charlie Hunnaman or probably him or 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 the guy from Vikings um the guy who played uh, Ragnar in uh, I think he might be Canadian actor but um we'll fact check for next week but they uh, the, the, the and of course you know they the kids are are sort of sworn not to tell the the colonists who are coming that that this person is an android because apparently they're anti-android as well so hmm. an interesting sort of story you know you've got this sort of um uh, david bowie looking character that you know from man who fell to earth type character who's sort of very you know Non, non-binary or I guess you know yeah non yeah I guess that's a better way to put it um raising these kids and so and and I thought it was a movie but it's actually it turns out to be a tv series right so that's coming out and there's another one called next which is coming too but I don't I've only seen a quick trailer for that one I'm not really sure about that one but but raised by wolf starts on Thursday so oh it starts today um and um of course Rogers I don't know what is gone gone wrong with Rogers but like I can't record um the lower decks because because it's on Thursday and all they have is to be announced on Thursday. So I basically have to record a three hour block and hope that the show I want to watch is, is somewhere in that three hour block. Right. So that's weird. Yeah. Well, that's what you get with socialized medicine. You get, you, know, you get what you, you get, get right? you get the good with the bad. Yeah. 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 You sort of have to sift through it. But the most yeah. important thing is you only have to pay with it, pay for it with your tax money. True. Or, or your, your Rogers, bill. or your Rogers yeah. bill. One of those things. Yeah. yeah. Which is at the end of the day, more than like any one of these subscriptions. Yeah, sure enough. It's on, uh, on crave here in Canada yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you gotta remember who I live with, right? So new episodes weekly of Crave or or the Raised by Wolves. Raised by Wolves, new episodes weekly on Crave. On Crave, well, there you go. oh, and then I can watch it on Crave because I also have the. Uh, that's why I watch. I've been watching the um, Lower Decks on my iPad actually at lunchtime. So there you oh, go on the Bell Five app. You're all set. 
Because I'm on Alt TV on Bell. They just added the uh, on my t- also on my to do list. They just added that Birds of Prey movie, the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. Depending on where you live, we've changed the title right. movie. Just right. came it debuted last week on there. So that's that's, that's on the HBO. Uh, it's on the movie channel. It's on Crave. Y- yeah, the, the the paid for the, the formerly known as HBO. Yes, right? the movie network one. Yes, the the, yeah, the deluxe because, one. Because that's also got um, uh, Jojo Rabbit. I watched that. That was actually I, I finally got a chance to sit down and watch that while I was oh, off, and I really enjoyed that. It took me get a bag of popcorn to watch that far one, too yeah. long to get to it, but it was worth the wait. It was really, really, really good. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, that, again, we were talking before we started recording here, and, and all my recordings blew up. Um, the Toronto Film Festival is on right now, and so I was talking to Jaime about that, and I almost got to see that last year, but it was really hard to get tickets for that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of regretted. I, I knew at the time that I wanted to see it in the theater, but it just was bad timing. But uh, mm-hmm. it it would have been good to see in the theater. It's really, really well done. Yeah, yeah. It's what's his name again? The director Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Yeah, he did one of the uh, Mandalorians that Jaime hasn't seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, and he so does the, one of the voices it, on the show too. Yeah, the uh, the um, episode of the ma- making of the Mandalorian that I saw was the the I think is eight directors. Each each episode was directed by a different person. Mm-hmm. Each one of them talking about how they approached the story and, and what they did differently. Yeah, and it's a murderer's row too. They got some amazingly talented yeah. people to do that show. Yep. yep. Like, but you know, Jaime mean, will never see it until he gets his subscription. <laughs> Not until come December when I can watch that in Milan and uh, yep. uh, Hamilton and One Division. What? And WandaVision, the the Marvel WandaVision. Oh, WandaVision, what, right, right. Assuming that Wanda, comes out. WandaVision, yeah. not the boy band. Yeah, that's what no. I thought too. WandaVision, I was like, wait, what? It's like, is there like a... WandaVision. WandaVision. Wanda I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce that. I think it's a stupid name for a show, but whatever. WandaVision? Yeah. WandaVision, yeah. Yeah. As opposed to WandaVision. Maybe it's about maybe it's about one division. I'm sure there's a great entendre in there somewhere, yeah. All right, well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, until next time, how do people get a hold of you, Jaime? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the hair. And Jonathan, how do people get in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. All right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine is where I am at as well. Until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is Jean-Luc Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Jumanji is on uh, Amazon Prime too now. I have to watch that. I watched it already. Is it good?
Yeah. I, Have you seen the other one? I like the first one, although I thought there was some pretty rough you mean spots this, with the second one. The, yeah, that's true. I saw the second third one. one. Third one? No, 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 no. The second one was the reboot one. Um, I saw mm. the second one and I thought it was quite good, but I thought that considering the budget and the stars and everything else, that some of the CGI mm-hmm. was awful. Awful. Or really? Awful. Really? The parts where they're like the, they're he's on the motorcycle near the end and he's going up the mountain and stuff like it was oh, yeah, yeah, like that was, that really was okay. rough looking CGI like not quite uh, Escape from L A but like pretty bad CGI that's my low watermark for CGI is Escape from L A. Well, Escape from New York was on a couple of weeks ago, too. That holds up because they didn't do any CGI. It was all practical mm-hmm. effects. And mm-hmm. it looks like it was done on a shoestring budget, but it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Escape from L.A., they were like, what if we use these new computer technology? And it looks terrible. Yeah. Well, so there's something else I was watching, too. I think, oh, I think I watched a bit of Event Horizon a couple of weeks ago. And uh, you, mem- you remember the Star Trek episode? I think it's the, f- the one first one, um, sorry, movie rec- uh, done by Jonathan Frakes. And they've got this, the champagne bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hurdling through Generations, space. Generations, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the sort of that era of that era type CGI, you know, with objects floating in space because, hey, we can make objects float in space now. Yeah. And uh, and they don't look like they're really in the scene, you know? Yeah, sort of thing. yeah. So, I mean, at, at least with the Star Trek one, it was just a bottle that smashes up against, I think, Enterprise or something like that, right? At the end of it. But, um, yeah, it's the Enterprise yeah, just, B, right? That's, that's when they're christening the Enterprise B at the beginning. Right, right, and and you know there's the whole sort of pens floating around and you know empty beer cans and things like that. Yeah, like you know, no. <laughs> well, speaking of Disney Plus, uh, mm-hmm. Xavier and I sat down. We were just killing some time yesterday, and uh, mm-hmm. we, we went through the Pixar section. Of course, they not only do they have all the Pixar classic movies that they've had over the last you know 25 years, but they also have a lot of the shorts. And yeah. he said, yeah. "Well, which one is the first one?" I said, "It's this one. It's uh, Andre and Wally B." And so we sat mm-hmm. and watched that, which, I, of course, you and I have seen that. I can't, you know, I'm teen time. Yeah, and the baby, the drooling baby, and the toy tin drum guy. Yeah, yeah. So we, we watched the first one, which is the, the bee chasing the, the guy around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's two minutes long or whatever. And he sort of looked at it and he's like, this is from 1984? This is pretty good for 1984. Like, it's not. It's, it's certainly amazing not. amazing for 1984. Not up yeah. to the quality that, obviously, of today's standards. But, like, yeah. when you look back at how far back that was and what the standards yeah. were at the time, it is yeah. mind-blowing blowing how good that was yeah yeah you know i remember going and seeing like uh i don't think i saw any of those in the theater but i saw toy story when it first came out in the 90s and mm-hmm. i was just like floored floored that they'd done this whole movie on the computers like and remember the santa claus um screensaver that i made I you probably don't no i don't think i do i used to have the i, I found the, the original files for it but it was a i actually rendered a santa claus in a sleigh with with i think two oh, that went across your screen yeah i do remember that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that was a, that same era and that probably took me like pretty much of a weekend to render yeah <laughs> yeah no it's uh we've we definitely have come a long way mm-hmm. but yeah it's yeah somewhere somewhere i have a, a scene that i did where and i thought it was really cool because i made a lamp and the, i made a, an apple and i put the the i mapped the texture of an apple like a delicious apple onto this apple shaped object yeah and then but the light for the scene is the light bulb in the lamp oh nice mm-hmm. that was like mm-hmm. amazing wow yeah you know? but I, I don't have the file anymore i just have the the printout yeah low res yeah back in the day 
who knows where we'll be that many more years yeah. in the future. That's what I gotta try. I'm gonna try. I have like a whole bunch. I, I mean, I backed up my data all the time back in those days. So I probably somewhere on the drive somewhere I have the stuff. I have have Big Felix here somewhere too. I don't remember Big oh, Felix. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. The Performa? No, no. I just have the drive. Oh, you just have the drive. The, yeah. The computer is long gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Millions. I'm now resurrecting because I, I kept all that stuff. And it's funny because you know back then you know because of disk space we used to compress everything. Mm -hmm. And so like it's it's in a proprietary compression format and it's it's I have I have a way of expanding it now but like you know the new computers don't even understand the file format of the drives right so it's like it's a good thing I hang hung on to older computers so I could actually restore the stuff and yeah get them recovered and whatever right so. it'll be uh, it'll be a heck of a retirement based uh, service where you put up the lines online saying do you have an old computer would you like me to unlock your old stuff bring it to <laughs> me I'll charge you a hundred bucks you can have all your yeah. old files back yeah yeah all all a floppy disk worth of them that's right that's right yeah and they'll all be like you know yeah 18k well i found a picture of, of carol sitting in front of one of our computers and it was the old um 6100 mm. oh no it was a g3 uh one of the base g3s that we had mm -hmm. and there's a sidequest drive sitting in the corner i want to know where that sidequest drive is you know yeah, I, I wouldn't have thrown i wouldn't have thrown it out i, I still have a zip drive <laughs> we have a zip drive oh yeah like mm -hmm. a, the actual drive itself. i have the drive and i have some discs so you yeah you, i have some discs you, you want to add that to the pile of your uh your big Fair, collection i'll send it over, send send it over. over yeah i tried to buy a, a sidequest drive but it didn't didn't work out yeah didn't i um, didn't i find you a sidequest at some point yeah, there was one was at a, like a value village or something but it was a, it was a it was a um pc only uh, version those people i see those, those evil people like Jaime used to be one of those evil I, I live with two people. of them so I get it <laughs> yeah well yeah you know I think it's a rite of passage you know that they're as they come up in the gaming world they, I think all boys at some point unless you know have to want to make their own PC right so and you can't stop them like it's either either they're going to make a PC or they're going to buy a car and you know fix the car right? it's also I think it's one of those things that you know fathers and sons I think they needed to, to rebel a little too they were like yeah dad likes Max so I don't like Max I'm like yeah whatever as long as you're paying for it, I don't care you want to hand me down? I just, computer? I just look at you and go Xcode. Does it run Xcode? Oh, never mind. Yeah. Next, next question. Yeah. 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 What? You've got a virus? That's a shame. Yeah. Have they had viruses? Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And, and some malware has some good malware. Those guys. <laughs> Isn't that again? Speaking of rites of passage. Yeah. Why does it hurt when I pee? <laughs> 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 Yikes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alrighty, folks. What else is going on? Well, by the way, speaking of Thursday announcements, Jaime, did you see that the iPhone 6, the a Watch 6 is being delayed? No. Is that one of those they wait for us to finish recording so they can they can do the news? Yeah. Make the big announcement, yeah. Yeah, that's, I saw that today and I just I just noticed Randy and Richie just dropped a video on that, too. I think one of the leakers, probably Prosser, has leaked that, right? So. Mm, that's unfortunate. We, we, we definitely live on that sort of stuff to, to drive content for our uh, our talk show for <laughs> podcast yeah so we also came up with an mtjc t-shirt jonathan it says sorry I w i'm on i was on mute <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah. um hi are you a nintendo guy I am, although I uh, haven't been on the on the latest on the Switch, so I'm probably gonna have to jump onto the next generations that come out. They uh, they announced today, so it's the 35th anniversary of uh, Super Mario. So they had a a um, what they call a Nintendo Direct today, which is their direct marketing thing they do on YouTube, and they announced that they're bringing uh, ports of a bunch of their 3D classic Mario titles to the Switch in I think it's only two weeks. Uh, Super Mario. 
Sunshine, Super Mario Galaxy, and Super Mario 64 are all getting up-resed versions for the for the Switch. And they've all, they're also doing a whole bunch of other stuff around the 35th anniversary. There's like online games and mobile games, and they're bringing back the the Game and Watch. You you might be not old enough to remember the Game and Watch. These little, little tiny handheld things, but they're going to put Super Mario One and Two on these little little LED handheld things for for 50 bucks. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty neat thing to have all these games. The catalog that they're putting out on the Switch now is it's pretty amazing. You, you can go back and play a lot of really cool classic Nintendo titles all on the same system now. And again, it's it's handheld or it's uh, docked to your TV. So it's if you're a Nintendo fan, like this is this is a great time to be in the game. Yeah, they've got that Super Mario Brothers 35, which is a, a battle royale style game, but using the old original Super Mario Brothers, where 35 players are, are competing to be the last one standing as they run the course. Um, it's definitely well timed because uh, as somebody who who has a Mac and not a Windows PC, I feel a little left out because Steam doesn't have Fall Guys available on Mac, um, and and that's a, a game that having watched YouTube let's players play and, and streamers, it looks hilarious. It looks a lot of fun to have these uh pill or bean shaped uh, kind of minion like characters all running around trying to compete on the same course yeah it's 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 kind of chaos but it's also kind of hilarious and fun i personally i'm excited the um new marvel avengers video game drops tomorrow i will not be a day oneer because they're at this point of course you can only get it for the current existing systems but it's also going to come out for the next gen systems down the road so you can buy it now if you want to play it on a ps4 or an xbox uh one but if you want to play it on uh the next gen systems that are coming out in the next few months you have to you have to wait but it looks amazing the trailers look really really cool it looks like that um spider-man game that came out previously that was two years ago that was like really cinematic and very very epic this feels like that as well very just huge in scope it feels like you're playing end game what's this uh, nintendo thing i've been seeing too where it's like a, like an ar game have you guys seen that Isn't it like mario mario racing or something like that or? oh yeah that's that i announced that today as well there's like a mario um kart thing mm. is that the one that uses the rc racers yeah it's like unky oh okay, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. wait but it's like is it like like actual cars or the, or is it like um ar cars mm, let's see yeah i didn't i i saw the the headline but didn't see if it was i, I just assumed it was small radio control cars on ar courses like in a the floor is lava sort of sense in your house try and see oh yeah mario kart live home circuit so yeah you you basically have these little uh yeah what's in the box what's in the box box it actually they're like little toy cars and you drive them around and but on your i guess on your switch screen you're seeing one thing or on your mobile screen you're seeing one thing and then in real life these cars have cameras built into them here i'll, I'll paste this into the um show notes it's quite cool yeah mklive.nintendo.com slash buy that's not too obvious yeah it's pretty cool yeah i'm looking at the youtube video that does look like you have a real cards going around but you're you're running that ar course that you're looking at through there the switch so is it a physical car that you buy kind of thing or? yeah i think in the box you get a car and the game and you it comes with like a little track set you basically like set it up and then you are seeing things from like behind mario's head from the the first person view kind of you know or i guess it's third if you can see behind him but you're seeing yeah. sort of 
what he's seeing. So he's looking around and you're seeing some of your house, but you're also seeing like the track and the things to avoid and everything else. It's basically turning your... Oh, it's got a camera like on the car. Yeah, it's like in the in the spoiler over the top of his head there. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. It's got a camera, so yeah. Cool, so you can chase a dog around the house and stuff. Oh, or in my house, the dog will chase it, yeah. Yeah. Look, it comes with a USB-C cable, I mean. <laughs> or is it USB-C? It's hard to see. That's cool. Oh, USB it's definitely not cheap. Uh, two varieties, Mario and Luigi, are your varieties for $99 each. Yeah. But it's... I guess you get a physical thing out of it, though. It's more than, than just the game. You could have fun just using it as is with the little camera on the, on the car. Yeah. Race a real-world Mario Kart through your home. Use the Nintendo Switch system to control your kart and watch as it reacts to what's happening in the game as you boost and drift to victory. Your in-home course comes to life on screen with a view from right behind the driver's seat. Place gates and custom courses in the real world and see them come alive with different in-game environments like jungles and snowscapes and obstacles like piranha plants. Use objects from around your house to customize your course and add challenges, then watch the game transform your home and into the Mario Kart world. It's a neat idea, but as you say, not cheap. It's 100 bucks US, too. Drop in the bucket. Yep. And the other one, yeah, this game, uh, the one that Jaime mentioned, Mario Brothers 35, is only a limited time game. They're only going to be running it until March 31st. So you're playing the 35-player game. You can play it, but uh, yeah, it basically evaporates as of March 31st. What do you mean evaporates? Like, it's a limited limited game, I guess. Play. They're going to not make it playable after that point. They'll... What? Yeah. That's like just about any game from the 68K Max. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's an online-only game, so I guess they just take the server down they you know you're, you're done right oh there's all kinds of stuff toys mm-hmm. and products more stuff buy our stuff all right well i'm gonna go chase two young men into bed yeah i'm gonna call it a day yeah beloved sons are upstairs i'm sure completely ignoring the fact that it's midnight oh as they do Alrighty, folks. All right. Okay. See you next week, Tim. Fire. You're the uh, you're the the crypt keeper next week. Yeah, yeah. To be to be determined still at this point, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. 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 All right. Bye. See you guys. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.